topic today, uh, preparing the way for a deeper walk with God. This scripture that we just read uh, talks about a deeper walk with God, because if you're going to get mature, uh, you're going to have to go through some trials. No, none of us want to. The good thing about trials is you don't need to pray for them. They just come. <laughs> you just come home and there's Isaiah. I don't know if he was blown up, but something's happening. It's like, it's like they, they come whether you like them or not. So the choice is, is to grab a hold of them with great joy and, and to say, Lord, I'm going to work through this thing until you make me more like Jesus. When I'm mature, I'm complete, not lacking anything. Wouldn't that be a great statement when it, on, my, on my tombstone? He was mature, complete, not lacking anything, and now he's dead and really happy. Okay. So th- what I wanted to do uh, this year uh, we, is I wanted... I want to spend some time walking with Jesus through the Gospels. I, I normally, I, tr- I try to read a, a, a Gospel a week. I, I kind of just go in a rotation because I want to know about Jesus more and more because he's the center of the good news, right? And so um, I, I, I was thinking as I was uh, reading uh, the Gospel of Luke, it's like, this is, this is so good. Jesus is so awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a great, great, great story. And so I'm going to spend some time over the next, uh, who knows, years reading about Jesus. But not yet. Because you can't come to Jesus in the, in the Gospel of Luke until you, until you cover John the Baptist. Uh, it, it, it occurs to me very weird that the Gospel of Luke starts with the, birth, the, the, the proclamation of the birth of John the Baptist instead of Jesus. But there's a reason for this. I don't know all the reasons for them. But Luke was a historian. He wanted, he wanted to make sure that everything was correct. Because the gospel that we, you know, the, the truth about Jesus is historical. Okay? It's not just some religion that some, you know, group of guys got together and they said, man, we can make this Jesus somebody really awesome. He's very historical. He was born at a very particular time. He fulfilled a whole bunch of prophecies over thousands of years. This was the Savior of the world, which is everything. And then he teaches us how to walk with him. And so uh, as, as we went through Christmas, uh, the Advent season, uh, we talked about the birth of John. We talked about the birth of Jesus, right? The reason for the season. Got that? Everybody good? Okay. Uh, and then we come to chapter 3 of Luke. So I'm, I just thought I'd just get started with chapter 3. And as I said, I, I want to talk about preparing a way for a deeper walk with Jesus because the greatest New Year's resolution, the, the greatest commitment you can make this year is to walk closer with Jesus. And there is a way, right? Yes? Everybody? You guys good? Some, some of you guys. Yes? You with me? Preach it now. All right, here we go. And so I, I, I wanted to, I'm, I'm caught because I want to get to my notes, but I also kind of want to go through uh, the, this, this chapter. So I'm just going to read it and, and make a, a couple comments. Are you guys okay? I'll do a little commentary, and then I'm, I want to just talk about these three points of how to prepare uh, our lives for a deeper walk with Jesus. So this is what it says. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of, of Tiberius Caesar, you know when that was, right? 
Well, in case you don't know what that was, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judah, you know when that was, right? Uh, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, uh, the Tetrarch that's a quarter of, uh, of the kingdom of Galilee, you know when that was, right? No. Uh, his brother Philip, uh, Tetrarch of uh, the, these places, and Licinius, Tetrarch of Abilene. So basically he's setting up a timeline for us because he wants us to realize that Jesus came in a moment on purpose. And, and uh, he, he doesn't want us to, he doesn't want the reader to, to randomly think, well, kind of, you know, kind of back then there was a certain time. He pinpoints the very time, and he uses actually six different people. We just saw him. Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, uh, Licinius, and then he said, and just for, for good measure, he throws in two high priests. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. Okay, so he is establishing this timeline, and we would call this the turning of the calendar, since the calendar at, at this point went to zero. Okay, so this is like the zero hour when Jesus was coming. But, it, but Jesus hadn't come yet. It was really like a year before Jesus had come. And all of a sudden, uh, John the Baptist says, now is the time. Now, the cool thing about Luke is that he researched all this stuff, and he puts it there so that we understand there's a particular time and a particular season for God's work. And just to back up for one minute, this moment of your life, a particular time, in a particular season for God's work. We might not be aware of it. We might look back in 15 years and say, yeah, I remember when uh, President Biden was in, in office and, and they were doing messy stuff in Washington. You know, and you go, yeah, I remember those years. But that was the year that God chose me and increased my call. Are you guys with me? All right, so anyway, so, so he comes uh, during the high priest. Uh, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So he's already there. And he went out into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to highlight this in a minute. As it is written in the book of words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill will be made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. Man, I could camp here all, all day long. 1977, before most of you were born, my mom and I, went to uh, a play called Godspell. Remember Godspell? Anybody? It, it was like, they used to do rock concerts, uh, and, and sometimes they would have uh, religious themes. Maybe you heard of Jesus Christ Superstar. That was not the good one. The good one was Godspell. And in the beginning, when John, uh, when, when John comes on the scene, and it's great, you can, you can still get, the, you check it on YouTube, it's, it's very 70s. So if you're into 70s, that would be very cool. You would really enjoy it. But he begins, and he just starts to sing. And he says, prepare the way of the Lord. 
prepare and uh, I would sing it for you, but my 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 uh, voice is a little raspy this morning. I don't I don't I want don't want to do any Bob Dylan imitations, which is also '60s and '70s. Um, but he's still singing. He's he's still, he's still around. Um, but he, he says, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And all of a sudden, everybody starts to come to him. It's like, what? what is going on? God is doing something new. Now, moving right along. So the crowd coming out to be baptized him. He, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee coming wrath? Now that's a message that would really fill your church. Wouldn't that be great? I come to you this morning, you blue brood of vipers. Who, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? <laughs> They're all like, hold on a second. I thought that we were going to get a really nice sermon this morning. <laughs> He's like, no, I've come with a baptism of repentance, you brood of vipers. I, I was thinking this is so, so counter to the American Christianity. <laughs> it's like, when, when you come to see a prophet, you come to be changed. You don't come for a word that's like, ah, oh, smooth and flowery and, and full of uh, milk and honey. You come to say, I want to be part of what God is doing. And he says, well, you're going to have to do something first. You're going to have to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, also, so you know, historically, when a king would come to town, they would always, you know, they didn't have good internet back then, uh, which does remind me of a really good joke, but I don't have time to tell it. Maybe ask me next, next week. Okay. They didn't have very good internet. So what they would do is they would take messages and they would, they would have them go to the community and they would say, the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. And, and everybody... You know, with, with junk and, and undone uh, house projects, would start to fix up their house because when the king came, you didn't want all your stuff out on the front lawn. Has this ever, you ever lived in a neighborhood like that? Our, our neighborhood used to be like that. You know, there's cars taken apart, and they're on the lawn, you know, motorcycles and stuff like that. So they would come and they would say, prepare the way of the Lord. The king is coming, the king is coming, and the king is coming. So here is John saying the king is coming. Now, point, pause. We forget that Jesus is coming. I don't mean coming again, which he is. But I mean that he is wanting to come to us in a special way. And these people were starting to get the clues like, this is a weird situation. We got the weird prophet and he's kind of dressed weird. And we're out here in the wilderness and he's calling us a brood of vipers, which is not normal. But he's saying, it's time to prepare yourself because the king is coming. Now, I'll get to, now, now, now I'm going to get to my message real quick. Uh, the best way to prepare for a deeper walk with Jesus is to start to develop a holy expectation in your life. Because it says, and I'm going to just skip to verse 15, it says, the people were waiting expectantly. And we're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Now, this is a new year, right? Everybody? Still new year? 
Okay, I know it's eight days in. It's like, oh, I've already broken all my commitments. Uh, I haven't yet, but I will, by, at least by March, uh, all of you. Okay, uh, but the people were waiting expectantly, and that, what that speaks to me is that the Lord this year wants us to start to lift up our eyes towards expectation of what God wants to do because he's coming. Jesus is coming. Now, the question I want to ask you this morning is, is what are you expecting Jesus to do in your life this year? Some of you are saying, I don't really have any expectations. But see, expectation is another word for faith. (laughs) So if I have no expectation, then I have no real trust in what God wants to do. So now I ask the question again, what is it that you want God to do this year? All right, now you're starting to think. You know, because this... I'm wanting God to do great things. Now, you've probably heard of the World Economic Forum by now. Anybody heard of the World Economic Forum? These are guys that are, would like to take over the world because, you know, it's kind of their job. Um, and and, they, and uh, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, now I know I'm already being censored, but he wrote a book called The Great Reset. And I think about Jesus. I think about John coming. And he's like, dudes, I've got a book for you. It's called The Greatest Reset. Because God is going to take all of the sin of the world and he's going to remove it on the Son of God. And then he's going to usher in the kingdom of God in such a way that everyone is going to see it. Right? It says... uh, and all of God's people, or and all the people will see God's salvation. I'm really expecting the greatest reset to begin this year. I believe that the kingdom of God is going to start expanding in a way that makes the globalists, those humans that would like to do stuff, it challenges all of their thinking. Now, you, you know the first thing they have to do is get rid of us. Do you guys know that? Everybody, you, you, okay with, you okay with that? Because there is such a thing called persecution. Now, I know Americans, ah, Lord, keep it far from us. But what if, what if it was an opportunity to persevere in such a way that we'd be mature and that the world would see Jesus? Okay, so... You want to have a deeper walk with Jesus, you got to start setting some expectation. What do you want God to do? Who do you want God to save this year? Who do you want to see walking in discipleship? Who do you want to see emerging as a ministry person, leader? Right? How many kids, grandkids? The opportunities are there. You guys are really quiet this morning. All right, but I'm okay. All right. Now, here's another question that comes with expectation, is how do you expect to experience the Lord? We talked about hearing the the voice of the Lord through his word earlier. 
do you have an expectation to hear? I, I like Maureen. She's like, man, I, I, I did it and God spoke to me, but now I want that every day. But what if it gets real silent? I've gone through lots of seasons where God's like, not talking to you. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'll do anything. He's like, because being with me is enough. Sometimes we need to hear, but being is enough. And sometimes when he's silent, we start to understand how close he really is. All right, I got to keep moving. How will you experience him? How will you meet with him? Uh, how will you wait on him? And this, this whole con it says that the people were waiting expectantly. And I, I just want to encourage you that we are a fast people. We don't want, we want God to, to do stuff right away. Right? I mean, we're, we're, we're good that way. We just like, okay, how do we make this Christian thing fast? And what I've discovered after 30 some years, I don't even know how long I've been walking with Jesus, it's a slow process. Perseverance is like molasses. And then you get to some point and you're like, I think I'm mature in this area. And he's like, take another step. And there's another step of molasses waiting for my perseverance to, to grow me up even more. All right. So it is time for the greatest reset. And it, of course, always begins with us. Okay, number two. I want to prepare a way for a deeper life. Um, you got to let the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus in his fullness to you. Let me read something to you. So they're all wondering, are you the Messiah? And he says... He doesn't say yes or no. He just said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Every time I read that verse, it makes me want to fall to my knees. Because for most Christians, we have a view of Jesus that is very chummy, very friendly, very, like, buddy. And I like John's perspective. He's like, if you knew him, you'd look at his feet and say, nah, there's no way I could even touch his feet. He is worthy of more than you could ever imagine. He is so worthy to be worshipped with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. When you see the Savior, you're not going to say, high five. You're going to fall on your knees and say, wow. If we're going to have a deeper walk with Jesus, I think we're going to need the Holy Spirit to reset the way we see who Jesus really is. Now, there is, you know, our relationship with Jesus is many-faceted. There are times when I feel real friendly with him. But it seems like it's easy to lose that I'm not worthy to touch your sandals. 
It's easy to move him into a place where I don't have to obey you because, you know, we're just buds anyway. So, he says, I baptize you with water. That sounds good. But he is more powerful than I. I can't touch his sandals. But wait, but wait. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. How many would rather have water than fire? Anybody? All right. It's like, I baptize you with water. It's like, cool. I like water. It's like, that's jacuzzi. And he goes, no, we're, we're talking sauna here. Hot, hot. I'm going to bring some stuff up. Because as we get closer to him, he wants to start burning some stuff away from us. So here's a good thing for the new year. If we want to grow deeper with Jesus, we're going to have to invite his Holy Spirit and fire to take a look around and see what's happening in our hearts and our lives. I noticed um, in this chapter, the, the people that came to him when he said, you're a brood of vipers, and he says, man, I, you, uh, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then they start asking, what, you, what, what, what would this fruit look like? And there's kind of there's three groups. He says, <clears throat> the crowd says, what shall we do? And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. How many have two shirts? How many have more food? You know, he, he always starts with the poor, doesn't he? Now I've got more than two shirts. I have ten shirts. And they're, they're such hip shirts that I don't know if any poor person would really want to wear them. Um, but the point is, is that the gospel is supposed to be very practical, right? Our repentance is supposed to be practical. When he speaks to us, he's not going to say, okay, go climb the mountain. He's going to say, hey, you got an extra shirt. Do you have something extra that you could give to another person? Then he asked, the tax collectors come to him and go, oh, man, I'm a brood of vipers. Uh, and they, they said, what should you do? And he says, uh, don't collect any more than you're required to because they were allowed to rip people off. They're like, I, I think it's $10. And it was really only 5 And so they would rip people off. And he's like, just be practical. And then the soldiers came to him and said, what should we do? And they said, don't exhort money. Don't accuse the people falsely. Be content with your pay. Real practical stuff, right? Likewise, in our life, when Jesus is revealed to us, it should come out very practical for us. What Jesus is going to be speaking to us this year about is, are going to be things that we can just do. All right? All right, last point. Here we go. Preparing our way for a deeper walk with Jesus. Uh, I put down here, resensitize your heart for repentance. I find myself not being convicted by the Holy Spirit enough. And you know, I know why. It's because when he does 
convict me, convince me that the direction I'm going in is wrong, I push back on it. I'm like, well, it's only partially wrong, Lord. You know, it's, you know, now that we're friends. But what God wants to do is reset us back to our salvation. Remember when we came to Jesus originally, if you have? If you haven't, now's a great time. You come to him and say, Lord, you're my Savior. You're my all in all. Whatever you want, you can have. Remember when you used to say that? Whatever you want, you can have. Send me where you want me to go. Take it all. And then you get sophisticated. Go to a few good churches where they teach you that you don't have to do that. You don't have to abandon your life. You don't have to enter the fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, poor Maureen, last week I said we should ask the Holy Spirit to be with us. This week I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to be with you and with fire. Lord, let your fire come into my heart. Burn what needs to burn. That sounds like a dangerous prayer. But necessary for the greatest reset. If we want a deeper walk with Jesus, we can't skirt the fire. And then he brings this last thing on there, and I'll finish with this. It says, his winnowing, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. And this is, this is the practice of separating the wheat from the chaff, and, uh, which, which we know they would throw it up and the, the wind would blow away the, the chaff so that only what was left was the good. And so along with the fire, we need to say, Lord, sift me. Sift me so that only the good is left. And then I, I love the way he puts in the, these words. He says, he will gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. <laughs> and what, what that speaks to me is there's going to be plenty of chaff. The, the, the fire, no doubt about it. Okay. And then verse 18, we'll end it here. It says, and with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. It's like, what do you mean you proclaim the good news? There's nothing good. <laughs> I'm a brood of vipers. I need to give my shirt away. I need to let the fire of God fall on me. I need to... And with many words, he exhorted them. But these people came with expectation that God wanted to transform their lives in a wonderful, powerful way. All right. So, I want to end with this. So this week, <clears throat> this prophecy that says, prepare the way of the Lord, let, let the hills and the valleys, let the hills be removed, let the valleys be filled. Uh, I want us to think, uh, especially as we, as we continue to ponder this year, what's in your way that's keeping you from a deep What's in your way? What hill? What valley? What needs to be filled in? What needs to be torn down? Um, 
put down here, what, what, what is causing deafness to the Holy Spirit? Another question I put down here is, where have you dug a hole? Have you dug any holes lately? I'm always digging holes. <laughs> it's like, Lord, how did I end up here? <laughs> well, stop digging. All right. Uh, where have I resisted the work of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm going to leave you with something that the Lord spoke to me. I was reading, reading this this morning. <clears throat> John the Baptist obviously was a prophet and a, a type of forerunner to Jesus. But it didn't occur to me until I was reading this that part of what Luke was trying to encourage us in is that we are also the prophets and the forerunners for those that don't know Jesus. I say it a lot, but we're it. We are the light of the world. The world doesn't know Jesus. And it's up for us to start walking with Jesus in a deeper way so, so that people can see Jesus better. So I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to ask you to commit to a few things as we do. All right, let's, let's go ahead and pray together. Wow, Lord. In our heart of hearts, I know that we all want to walk closer to you and deeper with you. And Lord, we've allowed uh, our lives to, to drift into a certain manner of walking with you. A good, comfortable pace. And yet I know that through this chapter here, John was encouraging the people, no, come on, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his way straight so that when he comes, you'll be able to see him. And Lord, for all of us, we, we have areas in our life where we know that you're saying, get rid of it. It's different for all of us. And Lord, now's a good day for us to say, take it, it's yours. Lord, we want to put our lives back in your hands in such a way that you can transform us again. Keep us from falling back into just the same old walk with you when you're calling us deeper and deeper with you. We thank you for your call. We thank you for setting apart this year. Have your way with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Problem with this kind of message? If you said yes, you will be tested. Persevere. Let it have its work. And uh, we'll come back next week and see what the Lord did. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for...
be a great encouragement to me. Thank you, those that have joined us online. Have a, a wonderful day. All right, love to all of you. Thanks for being here. And uh, we have lunch. You guys ready for lunch? All right, I don't know what it is, but enchiladas. Oh, Just saying that for anybody who's still online. Sorry, enchiladas today. Uh, all right, thank you. Break. Uh, share with your brothers and sisters your trials. Have a great day.